Welcome to Grace and Peace Radio. I'm Anthony. And I'm Amy. And together, we talk about applying God's Word to everyday life. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. It's our hope that you will be encouraged and God will be glorified. And with that, let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. (laughs) Sell it. (laughs) Sell it, Amy. Yeah. Come on, finish it. Fail right off the bat. Welcome, everybody. To Grace and Peace Radio. There you go. Excellent. We are glad you're back with us this week. I am Amy Russo. And I am Anthony Russo. All right. So. So first of all, I just yes. want you to know, mm-hmm. I'm not drinking coffee this time. No, you're not. No, I'm actually having rooibos tea. I oh. thought about even the fact that I wouldn't even crassly mention that I was drinking it in my beautiful ceramic 11 ounce Grace and Peace Radio mug. But then I decided, no, nah, go ahead that'd and be too it. tacky. Which you can get at graceandpeaceradio.com. <laughs> so there's that. And then as I was deciding which tea I wanted mm-hmm. in our jars of tea, mm-hmm. I got to thinking, Amy, do you know what a podcaster's favorite tea is? <laughs> Constant I a comment. Constant comment. All right, there you go. But notice what the constant comment is. Well, that one's decaf. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> so that means tone it down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Oh, too so, funny. So anyway, hey, we're, we hope you're doing great. We hope the Lord has uh, blessed you this week. Hope that you have grown closer to him, uh, that he has showed you something awesome in his word, because his word is awesome. Yes. And we, we hope that uh, you have been blessed in your your time in prayer with the Lord, that you are seeking to be with Him regularly, walking with Him daily. It's our hope that you would be encouraged and God would be glorified in all that we say and do here on the show. With that, we're going to dive into this yes, week's we topic. And that would be, as we are titling it, Real Life Complementarianism. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? There are times... I love theology, and I love reading about theology, but there are times that they just make words way too big (laughs) and way too complicated. All right, so our topic is real-life complementarianism. Yes. What does that mean? What is real-life complementarianism? And that would be how you and I, as husband and wife, and other believers out there who are husbands and wives, live together biblically— and model how Christ and God have outlined our roles. Excellent. See, that's the thing. We know that there's a lot of podcasts, a lot of discussion between egalitarianism and complementarianism, and maybe even on the farther end of the spectrum, patriarchy. We understand that. And we're not necessarily going to address all of those we don't want to address all of those here. We want to talk really in a in a day-to-day practical living nuts and bolts kind of level. Yes, it's something that's been on my mind for a while. Right. So So this is actually your topic. Mm-hmm. So since this is your topic, why are you so passionate about it? Because I don't come from this background. I I Honestly, the whole word of complementarianism only really came to mind and I became more familiar with what it is very recently within the last few years, like five, 
maybe. For those listeners who maybe don't know my background, I didn't come to Christ until I was 42 years old. Didn't really grow up in the church in what most people who have been Christians their whole lives would define as growing up in church. So these things like complementarianism and egalitarianism, words like submission and leading, not remotely in my vocabulary. And with the education that I got, you know, I'm coming out of being submersed to a large degree in feminism. Because that was your education. That was my education. Literally. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was, your degree was in literature and you studied feminist literature. Exactly. So when you say your education, it wasn't just your typical liberal college experience. You specifically pursued those feminist writers and, and mm -hmm. that literature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I first started uh, pursuing literature, even as a um, as a minor, actually just started taking literature classes just because I like to read. Yeah, you know, my first teachers were were feminist women, wonderful women. Was friends with one of them for years and years afterwards. But feminism was part of the program from the get go. So I was exposed to it. Now, mind you, I was an older student, so I didn't start college till I was 25. When I really started dealing with feminist, feminist topics specifically, I was working on my master's degree. So I was in my late 30s. Point being, when I finally came to Christ and was saved... There's a whole new way of life and vocabulary that is new to me. Really wasn't thinking of it along the lines of relationships because I was single at the time and didn't really think that, you know, I was going to be getting married that, you know, just because, um, you know, it was in my 40s. I figured it was done. The Lord changed that, obviously. And I guess really my start to this path was when you and I were doing, we were engaged and we were doing our premarital counseling. Mm -hmm. But tell listeners, what was the question, the problem, the dilemma that you faced as we were going through premarital counseling? So in, in one of our sessions, and I, I really do thank the pastor who took us through premarital counseling and married us. He really opened my eyes to the correct biblical mindset. So it was that night we were discussing the vows, the wedding vows, and we came to the, I promise love, to- Love, honor. Yeah, love, honor, and obey. I just suddenly went blank there. Love, honor, and obey, to which I kind of raised my hand and looked at Pete and I said, I have a problem with that. So he says, well, what's, what's the problem? So, you know, I explained briefly and- I could tell this was definitely not the first time he had gotten this objection. And so he pointed out the passage to me, to us, and, and went through it. And I think it's important that I point this out to listeners. What we're talking about is Ephesians, okay, chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it from the New Living Translation. 
the whole part of that chapter and then going into six is talking about how we, we live Christian lives. But what I'm referring to is the section that is wives and husbands, okay? One thing I want to point out is verse 21 says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That tends to get left out, this whole idea of submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's important. But the part that most women are, are familiar with is verse 22, where it says, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. That's all I knew. Well, what Pete pointed out to us is that he says, Have you really paid attention to the next section that speaks to husbands. And if you look at it, it's a much bigger section and has a lot more responsibility on the part of the guys. Right. And I can go ahead and read that. Yeah. I've got, I mean, I happen to have the ESV. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying it, that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So, Pete showed me by scripture, which as Anth and I have talked about, this is how you learn living a Christian life, biblically, is you're in the word. And that's what he did. He, he exposited that passage to where I understood that, yes, I am to submit to my husband and respect my husband, but Anth has the larger responsibility. So in the end, what did you say on the wedding day? I said to honor and obey. And I was, I was more than comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. I really was. We've talked about why you're passionate about this, what your background is with it. You've got a microphone in front of you. <laughs> what is it you want to say? One of the main things that I, I I want to say is, in many ways to the guys, husbands lead your wives. You know, when I think of us going into our marriage, being older, having been in you had been married before. I had been in a long-term relationship before and being very new Christians, you know, we were feeling our way through this as far as you leading and me submitting. And I needed that. And women do need that. We cannot follow the Lord's commandments well if we have a husband who's not leading. And what do we mean by leading? reading his Bible, praying, you know, discussing things with her. Uh, I I think what what women miss out on and assume that in this submission is that 
there's no conversation. There's all the decisions are made by the guy and the wife is just, yes, dear. Well, that's not what it, that, that's not God's point. That is not what God said. In Genesis 2.18, and I'm reading out of the ESV in this one, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And out of the Reformation Study Bible that I've got, under helper, it says, Man was first formed giving him social priority, and the woman was later given to him as a helper. The word helper entails his inadequacy not her inferiority, for elsewhere it is often used of God. It's a partnership. As husband and wife, you and I discuss things. We discuss big decisions. We work through things. Is the bottom line, you know, it's your decision? Yes, but what you're doing biblically is listening to what I have to say as well. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. And in that regard, let me try to explain this idea of real-life complementarianism from the husband's perspective. Yeah. Okay? This is to to all of us guys out there. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not an expert at this. Okay? That's not my point. My point is simply to share what I've learned by trial and error, 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 error. (laughs) These are ways that I try to fulfill what God says for me to do in his word. Here are God's rules. Good way to put it. Mm -hmm. Okay. The husband is the head of the home and is to lead and love. The wife is not the head of the home and is to submit to the husband God gave her. The husband is to be the spiritual leader of his family, discipling his wife and kids to follow Christ. And so if I just stop there with the idea of the God's rules thing and then just kind of talk about this more, a couple of other thoughts I have about this. The way of all disciple-making is that a person pursues and models holiness and Christ-likeness, and then seeks to influence others God has put around them to do likewise. Right. So, the idea is that that ultimately we must be godly. And so, the purpose of the, the Christian family unit really is the same as the purpose was for national Israel. To be a light among the heathen. True. That's what every Christian marriage, every Christian family ought to be, is this light to to heathens to point them to Christ. And the husband leads his wife and children, I would say, at least in two ways. One, by leading himself or, you know, being led by Christ. So, he himself is submitted to Christ. So, ultimately, Christ is the head of the home. The husband is submitted to Christ and leads his family according to Christ. But he leads himself. Mm-hmm. He he watches his 
He guards his heart, guards his eyes, all those kinds of precautions, all those kinds of things, all the things that the scriptures say, all the commands that apply to to us all, that man strives to do. And then also, by following, which is really what I just said, following established biblical principles for life. He's to work. Avoid you know, debt or excessive debt or, um, you know, and serve God and serve others. Worship the Lord, you know, and all these other, don't be a drunkard, be pure, all, all, all these things, you know, mm-hmm. anger, anger, you know, watch for the sin of anger and all these things. Um, a, a couple of quick examples about this, you know, when, when, Jacob and Esau reunited and Esau was like, well, hey, let's let our families travel together. Jacob says, "Mm, no, you know, I don't want to drive my flocks, my young flocks and and too hard because, you know, they'll they'll get sick and weak and whatever. And so Jacob was mindful of of leading his family and his flocks and all that. Right. You know, of course. Did he really ever plan on meeting up with Esau? Because that really didn't happen. That's another story. But even so, Jacob was mindful of the idea that you can only push so far. Exactly. You know? Well, and he, and he said not only his animals, but his, the little ones, as mm-hmm. he called it, you know, yeah. the kids. Yeah. You know, Jesus took the disciples aside for rest. At least that was the plan. That was the intention. Paul elsewhere advises commands don't provoke your children peter talks about honor wives as the weaker the, the more delicate vessel these are the kinds of of attitudes that a a husband slash father ought to have ought to seek to have this is the kind of heart i mean this is not none of these men this isn't a taskmaster kind of no. heart you know, I could go on, but my point is simply this. If a man is doing all of these things, of course, imperfectly, right? We're not all perfect uh, yet, but he will fear God and desire to, to flee the kind of sin in a man that perverts and twists and abuses his God-given authority. So you don't have that distorted ugly view of complementarianism that right. gets really becomes a, a straw man mm-hmm. amongst the egalitarian group. And I'll say one more, one more thing. Ultimately the whole Christian life, whether you're a man, a woman, married, single, the Christian life is rooted in love. We are to love God and love others. Just as a man is called to love God and love others, he's called to love strangers, love enemies. His whole life is to be one of ever-increasing love. And how is that love shown? In service to others. And a decreasing of self. That's supposed to happen first and foremost obviously in his own heart, but in his own home. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be modeled 
and practiced in his own home. So he's to be the thermostat of the home, practically and spiritually. He sets the temperature of the home exactly. in, in all these things. Mm-hmm. That's how it's, it's lived out day to day in our family. You know, and even though it's just the two of us, we are a family. Right. But I am by no means perfect, but I try to strive and, and live and do according to the Bible and to try to take all these things that God chose me and incorporate them in my own life by his grace that I can then fulfill the charge that God has given me to lead my family. Because ultimately, God is the one who has tasked me to this role. Mm-hmm. So I, I need to be faithful to the charge. So anyway, that's that's my perspective on it. Right. And and what I what I have seen, because by no means have I submitted correctly or sometimes even well over the years. I mean, we'll have been married 15 years the end of April. Right. Nor have I led well. Exactly. So we... Well, you didn't have to jump on that well, so quickly. I didn't. That isn't what I meant. Wow. Oh, don't even. Yeah. I oh, had... I'm going to stop recording. <laughs> Everybody listening is like, no, 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 don't stop recording. This good. Now it's getting interesting. Yeah. <laughs> no, while, while over the years there have been times that Anth hasn't led well and definitely times that I have not submitted well, we have strived to do so. And the only way we could succeed and learn and progress is by being in the Bible, reading the Word, and praying a lot. And so for women who feel that their husbands aren't leading, keep praying. That is the best thing that you can do. I I know it's frustrating, but you keep praying. The Lord knows, and that's what that's what you do. I, I would say for us, I, I was thinking about this the other day. We watched some documentaries recently, and they talked about the Roman aqueducts and these amazing amazing arch configurations that mm-hmm. the Romans did. And you can Google them and find them. They're they're really incredible, these these aqueducts that were in all these different places. Well, uh, also, it's that whole idea of in the middle of the arch, there's the keystone. Well, as I understand it, and I'm not an engineer, but the whole principle is that both sides of the arch are able to stay together without any kind of mortar and everything because of that keystone, because of the engineering and the math that goes into the pressure uh, of both sides applied to the keystone and Mm -hmm. and so on. Take that keystone out and both sides fall apart. Here's where my illustration is. It's the same with us. You're one side of that. Mm -hmm. I'm the other side of that. Christ is in the middle. He is the keystone. The only way complementarianism, the only way a biblical marriage, or the only way a marriage really can work biblically is if both sides lean on Christ. Absolutely. Without that, eventually, it's it's just going to crumble in some way, shape, or form. Well, as it said, you've got two sinners living under the same roof. Yeah. And believers or not, we still sin, and we're still selfish, and we're still prideful, and that's something that we continually work on. Yeah. So I want to continue this conversation. I want to hear what other notes you've got. So we'll do that after the break. 
and we will continue this topic of real-life complementarianism, and maybe I'll find out more of my faults. <laughs> no comment. Hey, everybody, this is Anthony, and I just wanted to say a big, big thank you to everyone who has bought a copy of Jesus Changed Everything. I am so thankful for the reception that you have all given the book. I'm honored by it. I've heard stories of people who have given it to their lost friends, lost family members, people using it in a discipling situation, all kinds of things. It, it's really been humbling, and truly, I give God all the glory for what he has done thus far with it. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. If you have not picked up a copy of Jesus Changed Everything, and you're curious about it, here's the thing. I wrote it with the idea that it is an evangelistic, discipling kind of book, and it really fits between just handing somebody a gospel tract, and maybe they're not yet ready to read the Bible. This is where the book fits, right there. I mean, it's great if they're already reading the Bible. It's Give them a copy of the book as well, sure. But if they're not quite committed to reading the Bible, they don't want to dive in, that's where the book fits. I tried to write it as plain spoken, easy to read, enjoyable as possible. So anyway, I would love if you would go ahead and go out to Amazon or wherever and look up Jesus Changed Everything and pick up a copy for yourself, maybe for your friend as well. Thanks so much and the Lord bless you. All right, we are back. Grace and Peace Radio, thank you so much for listening to us week in, week out. We are truly grateful to the Lord for you. If you have any feedback on the show, any ideas, feel free to email us, show at Grace and Peace Radio, show at Grace and Peace Radio. And in the meantime, what you've all been waiting for, let's hear more from Amy about <laughs> real life complementarianism. I'd like to just reiterate my point on complementarianism is the idea, and this comes from, and I have not read the whole book. Uh, I know of the book. I know pieces of the book. But the book Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. By Grudeman Piper. Thank you. Because I know there's a bunch of other authors in there, too, so I didn't know who was on the front. They didn't have a specific definition of complementarianism, but what I picked up was two words. Harmony and mutuality. And I think that ties into what I was saying before of, and that to me, the Lord makes very clear in Genesis 2.18. Husbands and wives are partners put together by the Lord. Wife is the helper. And we have, we are equal in the eyes of God. We have different roles. The reason I think this is so important is the fact that I hate to see ideas of just the emptiness of feminism creeping into relationships and into the church. And that's a whole subject unto itself. But I know what I've come from. I know what the Lord has saved me from. By his grace, he has blessed me with a marriage. You know, that certainly wasn't something I thought would be there. But as both Anth and I decided early on, we were going to do it right this time. And we were going to make sure that the Lord was in the center of our marriage. I just encourage everyone, male and female, stay in the word. I know we say this practically every episode, but it is so important. Stay in the word. 
Men, do your Bible reading, do your prayer. Women, do the same because you need to lead yourself and your kids if you have kids. The Lord will show you the way. He really will. And talk to each other. It's important and it's doable. And the Lord has blessed you. One of the things that have been has been on my mind, my heart for the last few weeks, for a while now, is again the brevity of life. That we are we are all heading towards eternity faster than we realize. Just today, I was having a conversation with someone saying, someone who is in their thirties or or who is say thirty doesn't realize how fast time speeds up that it's going to rapidly start speeding up for them. Mm-hmm. Why do I bring this up? Because men, our lives are over so soon. What is it that is keeping you from being in the scriptures? What is it is that is keeping you from praying? Now, I'm not saying just ticking off the box. Yes, I read my Bible today. Yes, I prayed today. What is keeping you from Christ, from bowing before him, from getting on your knees and saying, you are Lord. And then living out the commands, letting yourself out and say, Lord, you are the Lord. I will do what you command. What is keeping you from that? Pride? Is there some sin? What is the thing that is keeping you? Is it is it work? Is it distractions? Is it politics, social media, whatever the thing is? Kill it. Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. What is the thing, men, that is keeping you from being if this if this is you, is keeping you from being the godly husband to your wife that she needs and that God has charged you to be. What is that thing? I pray that the Lord reveals it to you and cuts it out of you. And for those men who are listening to this and who are like me, you know, we're just kind of trying our best. And we're just trying to honor the Lord and do what's right day in, day out. Guys, God bless you. May the Lord increase your efforts. May he give fruit to that. May he give you the joy and the peace and the holiness that you and I both need to manage our homes, to lead our wives and our families. And may he honor and bless your efforts in trying to pursue him. And ladies, appreciate that. For for those of you who have your husbands who are striving to do what Anth just talked about, tell them you appreciate it. Notice it. You know, they they need to hear that as well that you appreciate the fact you appreciate their leading. Well, again, we don't do this perfectly in our home. Mm-mm. If you <laughs> if you lived with us, you'd see that. Hopefully, you wouldn't see it all that often, but the point is, in all of this, God is faithful. And as we, as husbands and wives, both look to Christ, the Lord is gracious and brings peace 
to a home and helps each one fulfill their God-given roles. Yes. Yes, he does. To his glory. Absolutely. And by the way, it's fun. It is. I mean, it, it is genuinely fun. So there's there's that as well, that God gives God gives grace and God gives laughter and all these gifts. As we strive to be obedient, there's also that joy of obedience. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, and again, that's a whole nother topic, but we thank you so much. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for joining us today and the Lord bless you. And we will talk to you, Lord willing, next week. Take care, all. Grace and Peace Radio is honored to be a member of the Christian Podcast Community and the Society of Reformed Podcasters. For more information, visit us at graceandpeaceradio.com or on Facebook. Until next time, I'm your host, Anthony Russo, and Jesus changed my life.